Ready to maximize your travel and casino experience from both sides of the pond? From airline miles, hotel points, and loyalty programs to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all of the knowledge you need to travel in style. Welcome to ZorkCast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. Now, please welcome the hosts of ZorkCast, Michael Mason Traeger, and everyone's favorite Brit, Steve White. Yeah, and different Caesars casinos in different states have different times as well. So, like, if you're playing slots overnight, say, I think in Vegas, the new day starts at, I want to say 5 a.m., but it may be 6 a.m. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's, it's either 5 or 6 a.m., but it's... It's 6 a.m. Oh, it's 6 a.m. So, but in other places, it may be 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever else. So, you just want to be careful of that. Welcome back to ZorkCast. We have a super fun episode today. This is actually episode number 127 of season seven. And I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Steve White. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. How are you doing today? I'm good. I finally got over COVID. So the reason we've been away for a few weeks is basically I got COVID. So I wasn't able to record but I survived. <laughs> Sometimes you will do anything to get out, to get out of, of recording. Uh, to get out of recording. You know, I mean, it's so. <laughs> yeah, I well, got out before... like licking door handles just to get out yeah. of recording with you. <laughs> hey, that, that's my terminology. Before we touch on that, just for a moment, we're going to deviate a little bit from our usual pattern of a little bit of history as well as some final bits because we have a bunch of things we've been meaning to talk about. That includes, we're going to be talking about tearing up, and you'll find out what that means. Also, my thought that the party is over. You'll also find out what that means. We'll talk a little bit about uh, resort fee waivers. We'll also talk about why you should book your Vegas rooms now, though I believe we've talked about that before. Also, some really cool stuff that's going on at Bally's Atlantic City. I will finally dive into a little bit of my experience transatlantic on the Queen Mary 2, a little bit about comical British Airways meltdowns, and then I want to just touch a bit on my birthday trip. So we've got quite a bit today and pretty exciting. <laughs> right. And it was unfortunate to leave Steve, I think, like many of us, and I've heard this from a number of people, you thought you were just about over it and not going to wind up catching COVID and, of course, oh. sneaks up on you. But I think at this point, we're also exhausted from COVID that we'll not talk too much about it. But you're doing well now. The crazy thing is I've been like flying backwards and forwards places. And I've not got it at all. We had Zorkfest in December, you know, didn't get it. And then I just got about my normal life, not doing anything risky. And then I get COVID. So that's just how it works, right? <laughs> exactly. And I've heard that from a number of people. And we've often said that before. You just can't engineer this stuff. And, you know, quite frankly, even if you lock yourself up at home, that only works so much because if you have children or spouses that happen to also yeah. be in the home, you know, I mean, you literally would have to be solo seeing nobody or doing anything. And that is not exactly a path forward. At least I don't think it is. So. Yeah. First on the agenda today, interesting, you know, one of our listeners was talking to me recently about how much he has been optimizing the daily tier bonuses at Caesars. And it really 
is something that is worth emphasizing is that Caesars has these wonderful daily tier bonuses and they are huge. And if you are a decent player or you're a decent player with a combination of relatively good luck that day, you can really take advantage of it. Off the top of my head, I think the best tier bonus is if you do 5,000 tier points in a day, and that will essentially get you diamond in a day because it gets you a 10,000 bonus. But that is super strong. That's what I used to do. I used to do diamond in a day back in the day when you could use certain video poker machines. I think there was one at Caesars and there was one at Planet Hollywood. Because you have to be careful with some of the machines, particularly video poker, they reward tier credits at different rates. So like one tier credit for $25, I think it is now. But at the time, there were certain machines that were 1 to 10 with decent pay tables, and you could just grind out diamond in a day on those machines. But it, it gets to the point where you don't want to go past that 5,000 because then you want, you're almost wanting to chase the next part and the next bonus. I think there is one more afterwards, isn't there? Or is that the maximum it goes to? No, no, I that's the maximum. Oh, that's, that's the maximum. Actually- yeah, so you want, what you want, what I'm trying to say is if you're going to go for the 5,000, you've got to commit to it because what you don't want to get to a point where you get to, say, 4,500 and you run out of bankroll. Exactly. I mean, I think the big thresholds are 1,000, 2,500, and 5. Yes. You've got to get to that point where you get to 2,500 where you've got to think, okay, do I stop there and do diamond over, say, two days, or do I keep going? You've got to make that decision. Right. There's no point going to like 3,500 because you're then not maximizing those tier bonuses. Right. And the other thing is it scales. I should not do this off the top of my head. I don't know why I do it. It's like a mental exercise. But the 1,000 just gets you like a 1,000 bonus, whereas like the 5,000 gets you a 10,000 bonus. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. But it's a great strategy. And it is. it does show you how important it is to keep track of the number of tier points you're doing. If you play tables, you're going to have to also be careful about closing out at the tables within the casino day that this is counted. I'm talking in generalities because there are variations on promotional days and casino days at Caesars. Because if you sit down at it, when you play in slots, it's no problem because your tier points are accumulating as you do your coin in. So super easy. Everything is perfect. But if you play tables, you don't get until your rating is put into the system. It doesn't generate the tier points. And if the rating was put, if you played over a casino day, you know, like you played four hours between two casino days, it would go into the second casino day. So I guess in the easiest example you have here, say you did 4,500 tier at video poker and slots, you only need 500 more tier. You say, hey, I'm going to have no problem getting 500 tier at dice because I know what my average is and what I usually get. Well, be careful about that because that 500 tier is not going to pop into your account until they've closed out your rating. And otherwise, you could wind up with 4,500 and then you could wind up with 500 the next day. And that would make you pretty upset. (laughs) Yeah. And different Caesars casinos in different states have different times as well. So like if you're playing slots overnight, say, I think in Vegas, the new day starts at, I want to say 5 a.m., but it may be 6 a.m. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's it's either 5 or 6 a.m. But it's 6 a.m. Oh, it's 6 a.m. So, but in other places, it may be 5 a.m. or 4 a.m. or whatever else. So, you just want to be careful of that. Yeah, I used to have a friend who would know I was very keyed into Casino Day with getting my action into a day, especially in Atlantic City. And he would like often send me a text message. It would be like at 
you know, 5.45 in the morning. Hey, just catching you before you're going to sleep because I know it's the end of the casino day. (laughs) So, (laughs) So you really have to pay attention to that. But the other interesting thing is Caesars next week has a five times tier bonus program going on. And I should list the dates for that. Do you remember the five times tier, the tier bonus dates? I think it's next weekend, which is like around the 17th. But that is something you definitely want to look for. I'll put it in the show notes because this episode, hopefully, well, this episode should drop before the tier bonus, though I don't know if people will necessarily listen to it. But that's a very interesting proposition, too, because that's the five times tier multiplier stacks with it. So that's very, very interesting. Yeah, because it means if you take advantage of those tier bonuses on top of the five times, etc., you can obviously make that five times as fast with hopefully five times less bankroll risk. <laughs> exactly. It's not it's not truly five times, but it's it's more like four times. But yeah, that's a good it, point because you're already going to be playing one times. Yeah. Yeah, but it's still really something to keep track of. And what I used to do, I did the five times multiplier last year. And what I will do is I will put in my notebook on my iPhone, I'll say something like, I have this many tier points. This is what I'm looking for, you know, and then I will work that out. Like I'm looking at my notes from last year and I went into a session you know, when I arrived the last day of the five times multiplier, I'll say something like, okay, I've got 12,787 tier points. I'm going for diamond plus. Diamond plus is 25,000. That means I need 25,000 less 12,787. So I need 12,213 tier. If I play 2,000 tier, then I will get, you know, play 2,000. That's 2,000 tier. Then the four times bonus will be 8,000. And then the daily bonus there would only be 1,000 because if you did 2,000 tier, you yeah. would still get the thousand bonus. So if I played two thousand tier during the five times with the daily bonus, I would get eleven thousand tier. So then you know I would say, okay, well I needed twelve thousand two hundred and thirteen. That's only going to get me eleven thousand. So I'm going to be one thousand two hundred and thirteen tier short of yeah. diamond plus. But it's good to write that stuff down. I mean, some people, if you want to do it on a spreadsheet, if you want to do it in a notebook, it's just good to know what you're aiming for because when you start drinking in a casino and all the sounds and all of that, sometimes doing the maths is not as easy when you're doing it on the fly. And now, really, I think Diamond Plus is that sweet spot you want to get to, especially if you know you're not going to go for seven stars. You almost want to get to Diamond Plus and kind of stop there, and then I would focus my play elsewhere at other, perhaps other casinos. It used to be that Diamond in a day was the thing to do because Diamond was that sweet spot, and then they added in all these extras where you can't get into the lounges unless you've got Diamond Plus, et cetera, et cetera. So. I mean, I might consider, I think Diamond Elite – might somewhat be worthwhile. That's like the next. It goes Diamond Plus, and then I think there's a tier in between. Yeah, but isn't Diamond Elite like 75,000? Yeah. Or am I making that up? It is like 75,000, I believe. Could you imagine how much depends how much we screw up here, you know, then we'll we'll really hear from people. But I think (laughs) that's another that's another conversation because really this was a broad stroke conversation that this ability in Caesar's rewards to optimize multipliers when they have tier multipliers and to also get the daily bonus is really, really strong. Also, remember that daily bonus also counts for your spend. 
So that's an interesting thing to think about. So if a host is yeah, not taking yeah, I've off. I've never thought of that. Yeah. So if you're checking out and your folio, you know, as far as I know, it's pretty – I don't know what they do with the taxes. But let's just let's just talk simplistically. If you're checking out and your folio is $890, you know – Obviously, you're not going to get any bonus, but if it's over a thousand, you're going to get a thousand bonus from that because that's you're earning the tier points for the spend. So that's another interesting thing to think about. But I think that barely moves the needle for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are not spending big bucks necessarily at a Caesars property. But who knows if you go out to dinner? I mean, this is more the reason that you definitely always want to charge everything to your room folio. And maybe you'll get really lucky and you'll have like seven friends that want to go out to a steakhouse with you and everyone has an average of 100 or $200 a person and everyone will throw in cash and let you charge it to your room folio. And that could work out very, very well for you with regard to that. You've totally done that before, haven't you? That sounds like a man with experience. <laughs> yes, yes, that's definitely something. I did that before they changed the Venetian program. I think Venetian was like 25 to the dollar. I don't yeah. remember, but it was I did something like that where I put together a lunch and everyone I was with were gamblers and everyone like just threw cash in the middle of the table and I charged it to my room folio. So it was uh, I think we've talked about that kind of thing before. Yes, but it's pretty good. You know, I mean, that's it's just something good to keep in mind. So definitely tearing up is is a really good is it tearing up? I guess it is tearing up. You know, I mean, that's what you're doing when you're getting more points and getting to higher tier levels. But using these bonuses to your advantage are, are really, really smart. You just have to keep track of it. And that segues pretty well into the fact that, you know, the party is really over with regard to casinos being overly generous, or as I like to say, it ain't 2020 anymore. Yeah, and you even see that in general, I think, in the travel industry now. Um, looking at airfare, particularly from here in the UK with British Airways and Virgin, the pie is definitely over. And now people are starting to, or companies are trying to recover some of those losses. Interesting. Yeah, and also, I mean, when it comes to the casino side, you definitely have a supply and demand thing. You have a supply and demand when it comes to room rates. But you also have, you know, comp criteria, how many rooms that they're looking to comp, how many rooms they're looking to fill with players. And obviously, the criteria gets more difficult. You know, you have to have better and better casino theoretical to be able to get those good marketing offers and free rooms. And I just I think it's a really difficult, you know, I think it's really difficult for people with that kind of change. And I think Vegas has had quite a change with all of what's happened with, you know, the Raiders and entertainment and more people traveling U.S. domestic. Yeah. And even even between sort of 2020 and 2021, things changed. And 2021 is 2022. Things are changing. Well, we had perhaps in even in December when we were at, at Zorkfest is probably not the same now. It's going to keep going that way, I think, particularly as we start to see things like the Formula One coming to Vegas and all these other sort of big events that are going to be taking place. It's going to be it's going to be interesting one to watch. No, no, absolutely. And I could tell things were really good. I, I started playing quite a bit at Wynn. Las Vegas again, you know, right in June 2020 when the casinos reopened. And comp-wise, I was doing magnificently from when. Yeah. And I realized that's just – it's not going to happen anymore at the same level of play. And I'm not necessarily willing to play more. I know I'm not going to be getting my parlor suites and – or unless I want to pay for an upgrade. I mean, I think it's unfortunate, but – 
you know, you just have to realize, you know, these things do change, which gets back to the common theme of what we always say. When you get a good offer or you have Mm -hmm. offers, you really book them. Please book them. I mean, there are two things that are happening here. One is you've gotten this offer that's good. Maybe it's better than it was. It's probably if you're unless you increase your play a lot or your frequency with increased play, the offers are probably not going to get better. So A, you want to take advantage of that offer because that offer is based on historical play and maybe the casino is being more generous because like you could speak to this better than I can. MGM will send offers you know, for a certain period of time, and then they'll reset them after that period of time. So, you know, maybe your offer will be a little bit better than it would be in three or four months from now, even if you don't have a visit at all. That's one thing. And then the second thing is everything, unless you're the highest level player dealing with the host, has some capacity controls. And I know this drives people crazy when they receive emails. And some casinos are really bad at this where they send you an email and it's like four comp rooms any day of the week. And then you call up and they're like, well, it's not available on those days. Yeah, because they basically have a number of comp rooms they're willing to give out and then they limit it. Right. And I think there's always in the small print that it's subject to availability. So you want to move on it quickly and book things while there is availability, because I don't think there is any comp marketing program that does not have a very lenient cancellation period of somewhere between 24 and 72 hours. So I can't see any reason why, other than you having to decide when you might visit to not book it. Like, could you think of any negative there? I don't think so. No, I've always done that. I've always booked ahead. I'm glad I did because with certain places, I've seen offers decrease because the offers were higher, for instance, during COVID. I fortunately never always got to take advantage of my offers because obviously I couldn't travel to the US. (laughs) That's a a whole other story. But my offers in 2020, when I couldn't travel there, unfortunately, take advantage of them, were better than they were or they are now. And I haven't played at MGM. When I came over in December, I didn't play. But the offers have gone down. And in the past, when I haven't played there for an extended period, the offers haven't changed. They haven't reevaluated because they're still basing on the play they last had from me. So that's interesting, too. Yeah, I was talking a little bit about this when I was talking to Robin Albin this week on his podcast. And Robin's doing a great job with Anytime Gambling, trying to do more podcasting. And he's always pumping out lots of good content. So you did should check out Anytime Gambling. Because he also talks a lot about video poker, a lot about strategies of you know how to deal with your bankroll, how to gamble. It's really, really good stuff. But I mean, we have no conclusive way to know this. But I have not heard of anybody with the same exact level of play boasting right now, my offers are so much better. You know, I mean, I I don't think I, I think we would see it on the Twitter and other places that people are like, can you believe this offer I just got? And other than people who are playing at a higher level or first time at a new property playing at a higher level, I don't think we're seeing that very much. Though I did have one friend today taunt me about the fact that he got comp Justin Bieber tickets for <laughs> June. Uh, yeah, I bet you were so jealous about that. <laughs> I was. It's right around my birthday. I'm just very sad about that. I guess I don't rate enough. This is the same friend that years ago taunted me with the fact that he got comp Selena Gomez tickets at Mohegan Sun. But then I wound up getting comp selena gomez but i think justin it's not a competition uh, 
Well, it isn't a competition, but it could be a competition. It could be a, <laughs> it could be a fun competition. You know, talking about competitions and casinos and markets, lots of interesting stuff going on at Bally's Atlantic City. If you're a history buff, there's a lot going on. You know, Bally's is a very interesting property in Atlantic City, especially its address, which is Park Place and Boardwalk. Does that sound familiar to any game you've ever played? And Frank Moreno did a great interview with Phil Giuliano at the end of March, on March 31st. And he's the executive vice president of casino operations and the chief marketing offer. And they really, they're doing great room renovations, great restaurants. I mean, the restaurants are getting rave reviews, the casino floor, even their Baccarat, you know, their Baccarat room and their Baccarat action. But what's most interesting which is the takeaway, which really gets into this whole thing about how you determine your strategy with casino loyalty sometimes. There's a little piece of the segment where Phil Giuliano talks about how they are really being aggressive with comps and marketing offers, which should definitely like be a signal to people who go to Atlantic City, like, hey, things are really good now at Bally's, or they could be really good. Maybe I should, you know, give Bally's a good taste of my action, because that probably won't last forever. Are they totally independent now? They're not part of Caesars, right, anymore? Or were they ever right, part right. of Caesars? I'm not overly familiar with Atlantic cities. So I don't want to put my foot in it. <laughs> no, no, no. They were, they were by Caesars, and basically Caesars... So Caesars had in Atlantic City, they had Caesars. Next door to yeah. Caesars was Bally's. They had Showboat and they had Harrah's in the marina. Were they aren't they connected? Some of them too, or were they connected? Like as in like physically connected? Yeah, and it's still. I mean, I as far as I know, Caesars is still physically connected, sort of to Bally's. Yeah. Interesting. And then there's this Wild West casino in the middle. It's a little – it's interesting. Well, a lot of the casinos had some connection things like Showboat had a connector to Taj, which is now Hard Rock. I mean part of this was also for like the climate. You know, it was nice to be able to go between the buildings, you know, indoors. I don't remember what happened with that connector, but – and I don't I haven't been to Showboat in a while. It's interesting. I've got to get you to Atlantic City because there's so much interesting stuff to discover there. But what I thought was interesting is you definitely should look at situations in which, you know, a new casino is trying to grab market share. You know, they're they're sort of the new shiny object in town. And usually what happens with that historically is they tend to become a little bit tighter after they give away too much. But it depends but it's something it's definitely something to think about especially if you're not happy with your current casino home i mean a lot of people are in atlantic a lot of people love hard rock and ocean i happen to like borgata a lot which is part of mgm rewards but it's sort of interesting stuff but that's always the kind of thing that i you know that i listen for and of course more loyalty programs in a city is always a better thing. So that's pretty exciting. And a lot, a lot of these places, well, Tier Match initially went there. I know Resorts World was doing that in Vegas. And I remember Cosmo for quite a long time was matching offers as well. They tightened up on that eventually and they started only matching offers from comparable or what they deemed comparable casinos. So like they would match, say, an Aria offer, but not an offer from Escalibur. <laughs> um, but previously to that, they would do a lot of matching, which is interesting as well. Yeah, I think in the Facebook group, uh, Justin talks about a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, he's always tier matching or signing up for credit cards or doing stuff like that. And I think that's 
really interesting stuff to keep an eye on. So jumping into the next subject is I went on a wonderful transatlantic voyage on the Queen Mary 2 in February. It was a oh lot my God, of days. It's so, so long ago ocean. now. Like, I can't believe it's taken us this long to be able to talk about it. <laughs> I know. And a lot of people would say, why would you take a transatlantic voyage? Like, why should somebody do it? But it's sort of interesting. I mean, the, the thing about it is the, the Queen Mary. February. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, because that's sort of historic because they regularly would be on a world cruise. So they would not have a transatlantic. But if you like waves and feeling like you're on the Titanic, it's sort <laughs> of – if you have motion sickness problems, it isn't a really – wise idea to do a transatlantic crossing. But it is sort of neat because you just, you know, have a lot of time in the middle of the sea and, you know, there's a great cigar lounge and lots of interesting presentations. And you just and have a casino, a lot of, of course. And a casino, of course, which is sort of interesting. I mean, sadly, on the Queen Mary 2, when they did the last refit on it in 2016, they actually made the casino smaller. And before that time, they had a dice table and they had more machines. Now it is significantly smaller. For table game players, you pretty much so have... I think there was blackjack, there's roulette, of course, there are one or two carnival games, there is no baccarat, there is no craps. I mean, there is $5, 3-2 blackjack, so that's that's pretty good. And the slot machine assortment on Canard is not as exciting as a lot of other ships, but it's okay, I guess. But They have uh, video poker? They do not have video poker at all. Oh, I don't think they get a significant amount of people no. who really focus on the casino. I mean, they did a nice job with the – they gave me a coupon for, for free play for next voyage, which I didn't expect to get. Can you get like free cruises based on your casino play and stuff? I'm not familiar enough with this. You know, I don't think Canard does. I don't think – which is interesting because they're owned by Carnival and Carnival has a very strong program. They don't really dance too much into that, you know, and I think also the fact that their casinos don't have a huge emphasis, they probably get less people who come just for the casino. I mean, they did a good job with drinks. I mean, they the drink thing is all automated, so it tells you on your screen on a slot machine when you've earned a free cocktail, so that's pretty cool. And you cool. can combine the values of the cocktails if you wanted a Oh, like that is nice. That's like that's what you think of Shanleba. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. It's definitely, it was a nice, what's sort of interesting for people that don't realize it, Canard is very much into this traditional cruising. There's a lot of emphasis put on on dining. Obviously, things like afternoon tea are a really big deal, though I didn't do afternoon tea once because I don't like afternoon tea. But the pub is great. I mean, And I, you lived in London for so long. <laughs> I know. I just don't really like afternoon tea. But I like the pub. I was with my parents and also with some of their friends, and they really do a nice dinner service, but it's a traditional like early or late seating unless you happen to be in true first class, which is the grills. And it's sort of interesting because I would say overall dining is a step above most ships, probably more in line with what celebrity is, except for when you get up to grills class, and grills class is really exquisite 
single seating dining. And that's where you can order off the menu and get caviar every day and pretty much so have whatever you want. Is all of that included in the price of your cruise? Yes. And the whole th- well, the whole thing with cruises, I mean, cruises have become quite a bit more. I don't want to use the term nickel and diming, but there's more that you can pay optionally for on cruises these days. Obviously, or not so obviously, there's drink packages, which there are alcoholic and non-alcoholic drink packages. Also, there's one fancier dining room, veranda dining area that used to be Todd English that you could pay to go to. You could go to like pay to go to special wine lunches. But overall, most everything, you know, is included. And the alcohol prices are pretty okay. The drinks package is very interesting. I mean, if you if you really like to have wine with lunch and dinner and on a transatlantic this works really well it's really a good value because it gives you pretty much so unlimited drinks up to $12 and while you might say $12 a drink is not that much you like Belvedere martinis are $10 so $12 is pretty so you can order any drink you want as much as you want up to the cost of $12 a drink basically right and then after that you get 20% off so if you were ordering okay. a super premium and you also get 20% off of wine if you do a full drink package. So that's pretty interesting. You know, what's really interesting about Canard, having been a British, you know, originally being a British company, I believe, the Queen Mary II actually originally was a Southampton ship and now it's Bermuda registration. You know how ships always have strange registrations. Yeah, yeah. And I think they did that. Somebody told me, but I never verified this. They did this so that they could do weddings. There was something about yeah, like really. the registry about doing that. But what's interesting is all of the Canard ships, no matter where they are in the world, operated US dollars. Yeah. I guess it makes sense to operate. Obviously, they operate in one currency, but they don't operate in pounds. They operate in in dollars, which I I guess the dollar is probably a more accessible currency too. overall. More countries perhaps use the dollar or have access to the dollar. I think so. I mean, I think that's pretty easy. I mean, I haven't been, you know, the cruise industry is so heavily slanted towards American companies that yeah. the fact that, you know, most cruises are probably in U.S. dollars. And remember, Canard is owned by Carnival, which is a U.S. company. So that's... But this isn't this isn't something you do just to travel because you want to travel from London to New York, is it? This is... The, you, I mean, you would fly if it was purely to get there. This is something you do for the experience. It's like right. a vacation I mean, in itself. Yes. I mean, I think there are certain people that I ran into that were from the UK doing like 30 day round trips. So from Southampton to New York, then two weeks in the Caribbean and back to Southampton. And they decided to just do the additional voyage back because they didn't want to deal with baggage allowance and flying. Yeah. Also this year, I mean, obviously this year there were a lot of promotions this year, the ship only 60% full. So that's makes it pretty luxurious. So I think it's a, you know, it's a little bit of an odd year, but people do like it. I mean, there, and it is a huge throwback. I mean, the Queen Mary 2 is very, lots of Art Deco. 
The design is very traditional. It's built as an ocean liner, and I'm no expert on ships, but that basically, it's the only ocean liner in the world, and that has to do with the hull design and the weighting of the hull, hull, which makes it much more stable for, you know, bad weather and transatlantic crossings. Whereas everything else, I mean, it's very traditional looking as a ship, whereas when you look at many cruise ships, they have more of a boxy shape. Is that a good way to put it? Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Yeah, so I think that's sort of interesting. And this whole concept of an ocean liner is pretty cool, you know, and it's a cool way to travel. And there are enough promotions that are out there that it's actually not a ridiculously expensive way to travel. I mean, what's sort of cool coming from the UK to the United States is that you pretty much so adjust your clocks almost every night. So you have that mm-hmm. slow adjustment of your clock, you know, getting back to New York as opposed to having to set your clock back, you know, after flying five hours, you know, that's so I think that's sort of cool. So do you think it was worth it? Would you do it again? Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, you know, and I think it's interesting. I think cruises are interesting in general. I mean, I think COVID has made it a little bit difficult. I mean, Canard absolutely fanatical about COVID testing. They did COVID tests every three days. I see on a number of them, you know, message boards, you know, groups on on Facebook, you know, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it sneaks through and somebody gets COVID during a voyage and then they have specific isolation cabins. I think that's also why they're not a complete occupancy. And and they've been treating people pretty well on that. It's just a real it's just really, really unfortunate to get on a ship where you have a voyage for X number of days and you wind up testing positive on the third day. But I guess we have to give them credit from the fact that, you know, as a private company, they've come up with their own plan and they feel that testing, you know, doing testing every few days keeps it safer. And that's probably true. So, I mean, because then, you know, people aren't, you know, near other people with, uh, especially with variants that spread, but it's, it's a difficult time. And you're obviously are on a ship in the middle of the ocean. So I could see, I could see a number of people being uncomfortable with that. Well, I guess as well, the, this sort of thing that but who knows? you have to Maybe just accept is going to happen. We will do one if you're going to go on that sort of thing, if you're going to go on a cruise, it's going to happen. Yeah, it would probably happen if there was an ocean right by Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think lately? I mean, all we hear every day is different airline problems all the time. Airline problems, airline problems. And lately, British Airways has had a almost comical amount of meltdowns. You know, I mean, now it's it's very, very frustrating, right? Airfare is expensive. There's lots of operational problems. What do you think the long-term impact of this is going to be? Do you think people will have much of a memory? Do you think British Airways will lose a lot of customers? Or do you think the network is too strong and people have a short memory and it's just it just sort of is people just complaining? I think experience and history says to me that it probably is that the network is strong enough and that people will get over it because one of the other options, if you're based right near Heathrow, what are the other options really in reality? I mean, I guess you you start considering flying via Amsterdam maybe and and focusing more on sort of KLM. It depends where you're going to where your where most of your flying's taking place. If you're flying transatlantically, your only other option really I guess is to move over to Virgin if you're going to stick with a sort of a British carrier or you move over to American or Delta or whatever. But then 
you're probably going to end up on a BA flight at some point, aren't you, because of the code shares or a Delta flight because of the code shares, you'll end up on Virgin. So I think that people will kind of just forget about it and have come to accept that this sort of thing happens with BA and it's going to continue to happen. There's going to be continued IT meltdowns. Yeah, and also you have to remember it's just, things are just starting to get back to normal with things like nonstop flights to New Orleans, nonstop flights to Nashville. And I haven't Nashville's been following. Back. Yeah. yeah, I haven't been following all the schedules. But you know, that becomes a really big deal. You know, people talk trash all the time, but at the end of the day, let's fast forward a year from now, all of these routes will be back, right? Yeah. There is not a lot of competition if you want a nonstop flight to nashville you know and you could and there is no could... other option you'd have to fly to atlanta and then get a connecting flight or drive but atlanta would be where most people would fly to right so i mean i think that live or die by its network is a really big thing and that is something that's been very strong for british airways is you know their their network i mean dep- i guess it sort of depends on where you fly you know and that yeah. always is the situation but they are very very strong you know and that will all come back like you said recently they're starting the morning flight again from boston aren't they i'm like totally i had no idea they were doing that yeah and the other thing to think about too is if you're looking at airline loyalty and your travel is mixed between short haul and long haul you can't really then switch to say virgin because they have no short haul you can't switch to say an easy jet or ryanair because they have no long haul so who do you do what do you do who do you stick with well you stick with british airways so yeah i think that's a very interesting kind of thing you know and that's i mean even if you want to truly be a free agent you know, the route network makes it hard for you to avoid British Airways. But it's interesting stuff to discuss. Well, I think we've actually covered the one thing we won't cover today is discussing my birthday trip a little bit in June. We will do that on the next episode (laughs) with whatever our main topic is. Of course, if you want to support the show, you can look at zorkoffer.com. Also, consider getting your next quote for travel from Travel Zork Travel, which is at TravelZorkTravel.com. We also have live chat on the Travel Zork website, or be sure to join the Facebook group or engage with us on Twitter. So that's about everything. I mean, we covered quite a bit today. Any final thing that's on your mind today, Steve, that you would like to, you know, just get off your chest, shoulders or any other body part? Nothing crazy. I mean, I guess I just come, came into my mind when you're talking about BA just now. Do you get to a point where you do become a free agent and you say, you know what, I fly business class most of the time. I don't need to be loyal. I, I'm going to get lounge access through that anyway. Maybe I just fly with whoever fits best for that particular route, where I want to be, the price. That could be an interesting future topic to think about. Like, let's say you're going to travel to Vegas and you're going to travel business class. So you're thinking from London, I'm going to go BA or Virgin because I want to fly nonstop. Do you then just say, well, I'm just going to go with whoever's cheaper. I don't really need my loyalty because I'm going to have lounge access and stuff anyway. I don't know. Something to think about, maybe. Maybe being a free agent is best. Maybe that's more competitive. You know, honestly, in some ways, it's easier to be a free agent in the United States because you do have this wonderful thing if you do live, if you're accessible to T5, if T5 is your home. That combination of the first wing 
and the first class lounge are just such a great combination because it's not just the lounge. It's the fact that you get such easy access to the airport, like no airports in the United States. Can you actually go through private security and just wind up in the lounge? Yeah. You know, on the least expensive economy ticket, if you happen to be one world emerald. So I think that's an interesting thing. Now, how much is that worth, really? We could question that, but you know the thing is, if you even if you buy club tickets, you're not going to have access to first wing. If if you don't have, it's a very unique value proposition. Well, it depends how much value you then put on that. Some people probably put more value on that than others. Exactly, but it it isn't a very interesting value proposition, and that's part of it. But I think that definitely comes into it, and I think we see in the British Airways Facebook group that we're involved in, that a lot of people do put value on that and they don't want to give it up. And that's sort of interesting, right? Because, wow, maybe, you know, we could say what we want about BA, but maybe they were pretty smart with this first wing and everything. Because because once you've had, think about it, think about like you go free agent, you've had this access to the first wing that drops you. And you no longer have it. Yeah. And now you no longer have it. You're just, you've got to go through the regular security queues. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you still have access to the galleries lounge, but you don't longer have that really good, you know, experience. So now that's something to ponder a little bit, I guess. This is definitely a future episode. (laughs) Definitely. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. And until next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Insta at TravelZork and on the ZorkCast Facebook group. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, dream big and remember, a dollar won is twice as sweet as a dollar earned. <laughs>